No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. A third period so exhilarating so and so unexpected that I feel I should start the show by smoking a cigarette. I won't do that, but I will say good even, good afternoon, Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this afternoon on our YouTube channel, wherever you may be tuning in from, we say good afternoon, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve. You can vape if you want, Drew. If you don't want to actually smoke a cigarette, you can always vape. I could vape, um, I, I, except I don't think that would be very responsible parenting because what I would be vaping would not be what uh, the youth of the day are generally vaping. And I don't think you're anybody... more of a Vicks VapoRub guy, <laughs> there Drew, right? you go. Exactly. For all my aches and pains, I need Vicks VapoRub, not vaping in general. Uh, wow. I mean, you know, three nothing after 40 minutes and had the game ended three nothing. I don't think anybody would have been that surprised or really, you know, given the the absences from the Jets lineup, really would have been that that that, you know, upset necessarily. I thought the Jets played well, played hard for the first 30 minutes of the game and then, you know, the latter half of the second period, they ran out of steam and Carolina took advantage and I sort of expected a generic three, you know, third period where one team's up three nothing and one team is very good when trailing when when leading after 40 minutes and one team isn't that great when trailing after 40 minutes but a third period uh out of nowhere for the Winnipeg Jets and this is certainly uh one of their most remarkable victories of the season of recent memory I would say going into Carolina scoring five unanswered goals in the third period and ending up with a 5-3 victory, as he Ridiculous, really. Like you said, Drew, I mean, you're yeah. watching that game, and, you know, I, I didn't think this was, you know, the worst couple periods for the Jets, but there was right. de- definitely a lack of an offensive spark, and there were giveaways. The power play did not look very good. Obviously, you know, Shifley scores the tying goal on the power play, so the Jets redeem themselves, but you're thinking, okay, you know, if the Jets score an early goal here, maybe they can tie this game up. And, you know, you had Mark Shifley go full beast mode in this game. And same thing with Nino Niederreiter, guys. Like, we talked about Niederreiter possibly being an option in the top six. Uh, Of course, he was on his familiar wing spot on the third line with with Lowry and Appleton. Adam Lowry was excellent. And Josh Morrissey as well, guys. Like, he was out there, you know, when the Hurricanes had the extra attacker late in the game. Morrissey was an absolute beast. Like, Dave has been posting the comments on X, like, he just keeps getting assists, Morrissey, and he's really starting to play at that elite, elite level that he was last year when he had his breakout year, right? So mm-hmm. Shifley was amazing. Kyle Connor, how much jump did he have? He had some giddy up in his step boys in that third period. So the Shifley Connor Ehlers line, obviously, you know, that's going to stick together for tomorrow night's game against the Sabres. But just, yeah, an impressive comeback because with no Velarde, with no Brendan Dillon, and then obviously with Cole Perfetti being a healthy scratch. There was every reason for this Jets team to wilt, Dave, after going down three goals after two. No question about it, Ez. Sorry, as as folks are wondering why I'm not wearing a hat. Of course, at Canada Life, where it probably shouldn't be wearing a hat. So I'm uh, I've gone hatless for today's post game show. I'll be back to it tomorrow night for the uh, post Sabres game. I'll be wearing a hat, but I'm happy to report one all here between the Moose and the Stars. But as he's right, I mean, it's it's one of those games where you want to see what kind of pushback 
this Jets team was going to have. And it's a cliche, and we've used that expression a lot, but they showed fortitude. They showed exactly what they needed to in that third period because if they would have wilted and died or if they would have gotten one goal and lost 4-1, yeah, it's just given how everything went against Dallas, it wasn't good. And look, the game, it, it was a bad, it was a good first period. It was not the best. They, they took advantage of mistakes made, which we'll get through at the Betway game recap. But ultimately, I mean, they showed fortitude, and that's the word I'd use. And I, I will give credit where credit is due to Ezzy, who said to me, I, literally as the third period was starting, and I can't remember if it was 3 nothing or 3-1, and he said, well, let's be real. Jets are winning this game by 5-3. So whatever Ezzy says, put your money on it today because he is on a hot streak. You know what I was struck by in today's game? I mean, the comeback is incredible. I think back to a year ago, March 14th, 2023. The Jets go into Carolina in the midst of the tailspin. And if you recall, I believe both Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor were benched in the course of that game. And then neither of those two players spoke to the media after the game. Carolina ha- you know, handily defeated the Jets almost exactly a year ago in Carolina. And then I'm struck by the response from Shifley, from Kyle Connor, from Nino Niederreiter. If you remember, the Jets had just acquired Niederreiter. Is right after the trade deadline. The Jets had just acquired Niederreiter, and he was the guy who sort of spoke on behalf of the team after that game. And everyone's like, well, why is Nino Niederreiter standing up? Why isn't Shifley standing up? Why isn't Kyle Connor standing up? These are the guys who were sat down by Rick Bonus in that game a year ago. And had no response. They had no, uh, they, the, you could see it was a team that was in disarray, you know, all throughout the organization last year at this time. Then you compare that to the, this year, almost a year later. What a difference a year makes given the response from Shifley, given the response from Connor, given the goal by Nina Ryder. Just uh, that struck me as I was watching this third period unfold, how much difference there is in a year and how. Uh, the 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 makeup and the intestinal fortitude of this team is different from one year ago, almost one year ago at this point in time. Right. And Tracy, yes, you do have to make soup now for every game because Tracy, for those listening on the podcast, said that she went to go make soup uh, for the second period and then they came <laughs> back and uh, tied the game up and eventually won. So, yes, Tracy will have to make soup. But you make some really good points, Drew. And you know, the Hurricanes, I think what's so amazing about this comeback win and the five goals in the third period is because of who it's against. We talked about this uh, this morning, just uh, what was that, five hours ago. The Hurricanes do not give up a lot. And, you know, we had the comment up from, from Dom Zappia. Uh, the Jets didn't score on their first four power plays. And, you know, a few of those power plays looked better than others, right? But you didn't have Gabe Velarde, your number one rep weapon on the top power play unit. Um, so, you know, I thought the, you know, the Jets did uh, well enough in his absence. Um, but look, it was the Shifley Connor Ehlers line that stepped up big time in this game. And, and as did Nino Niederreiter, who we talked about earlier, uh, was so good and has been so good on that third line all, all year long. And I still won't be surprised if, you know, you see him moved up into the top six before we expect the Jets make a move, right? So you've got those two games against the Kraken next week. And then who else do you play? Do you play Vancouver? I forget you play who else. Buffalo. You play Buffalo tomorrow, Seattle on Tuesday, then Seattle on Friday after the deadline. So right. there's two games now between, uh, you know, until the trade deadline next Friday, uh, two o'clock central time. Right. And you can make an argument, guys, that, you know, the Jets top six look pretty good uh, today. But we know that uh, there's a there's a big hole on the wing now that Cole Perfetti has moved down and is now out of the lineup, guys. And we also have to talk about that fourth line. I thought mm-hmm. Gustafson, Kupari, I mean, Morgan Barron has been a staple of that fourth line all year long, Dave, 
But I thought Gustafson and Kupari, I mean, they had some good shifts early in the first period. And obviously, they didn't get a lot of ice time. But I thought when they were out there, you know, for the most part, they were in the hurricane zone, just doing their job, making sure, you know, they were playing reliable defensive hockey. So we'll see what happens. You know, Perfetti might be back in the lineup, but I wouldn't expect it tomorrow. No, yeah, I mean, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was, no, I was just going to say quickly that, you know, the idea that what they did was they injected some some fresh legs. You know, David Gustafson obviously hasn't played a game since December 22nd at the NHL level. He played uh, six games with the Moose and uh, Rasmus Kupari, obviously, since his rec- return, I think he's played six or seven games uh, for the Jets. So you knew that those guys are wanting to have a good showing and a good effort, right, Ezzy? So that's it was good from them and it was good effort overall. I mean, you wanted you needed to see this team step up, right? You couldn't have a step back game. You couldn't have two poor games in a row. And I'm not saying it was a poor game overall by Winnipeg because I thought after the beginning of that game contest where Carolina outshot them eight nothing to start, mm-hmm. that the Jets started to have pushback and started trying, you know, impose their own will on the game. So uh, it was a good, it was a, like I said, it was a good overall effort. They had some bounces go against them in that middle frame, but they didn't fold up and say, okay, well, we got to focus on Buffalo now. They focused on the Carolina Hurricanes and they beat a pretty good Hurricanes team at home who I believe, like I said, they don't often give up. I don't know what their their record is going into the third period with a lead, but I got to imagine it's a, it's a pretty solid one. This was either their second or third loss all year when leading after 40 minutes. And I'm sure that in those other losses, they weren't up 3 nothing. What is it about these two teams and 3 nothing uh 3 nothing leads if you remember uh last year, if I recall, I think it was last year, uh the Jets had that 3 nothing lead on Carolina, then Carolina pulled the goalie in the latter half of the third period and scored three times uh, to tie it up and then the Jets ended up winning in overtime. That was early last year so for whatever reason these two teams don't get a three nothing lead against one another as as bad things tend to happen you know I I, also considering this game this remind this comeback reminded me of the game in Los Angeles earlier this year if you recall that game where the Jets I think it was right after Velarde had been uh has been out of the lineup if I recall correctly uh, where he got injured and then missed that stretch of time. It was early in, in the season, November, Early in the year, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Jets went into L.A., and they were either down 2-0 or 3 nothing after, I think, 20 minutes. It was 2 nothing after 20 or after 40. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then the Jets staged a really significant comeback, an unexpected victory that then sort of snowballed from there positively. Similar thoughts tonight. I mean, I, I this is the Carolina Hurricanes, a Carolina Hurricanes team that is – thought of as a Stanley Cup contender and a Carolina Hurricanes team that is regarded as one of the te- the best defending teams in the league and a team yep. that is very adept at not having this happen. And it happened, and it happened quickly in that third period. The Jets, this is, I mean, again, we're going to quickly start focusing on tomorrow's game tomorrow. And But I don't think that we should just brush this victory away that quickly for how significant it is for the Winnipeg Jets and how impressive it was for the Jets. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Velarde and Dylan being out of the lineup, right? Something that we expected Velarde to be out of the lineup, but Brendan Dylan, it's illness, so we didn't expect that. Right. And we have no idea if those guys are going to play tomorrow. I think it's safe to say there's a good chance they won't. But, I mean, it just doesn't, it's not clear right now, right? So... You know, considering that and also considering, as you mentioned, Drew, the Hurricanes record like this Hurricanes team is an established team like this is at the very least their top 10 team. And I could hear an argument that, you know, when you're talking about the playoffs, they're top five, top six team just right. because of their playoff experience. Like, you know, you watch Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov, uh, you know, Seth Jarvis, Martin Nate Natchez, 
I mean, they've got a really, and, and, you know, Brent Burns, I know he's, you know, getting up there in age, but, you know, he's still a very solid defenseman. Uh, I thought Jacob Slavin was, was having a rough game out there going one-on-one with, with Shifley, right? So, I mean, you got to credit Shifley, Connor, the Jets, big boys, and, you know, the pressure that they were putting on the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes were on their heels, boys, for that entire third period, like they were rattled. Um, And that's what you want, right? Like you want to dictate the pace. You want to put the opponent on their heels. So give the Jets a lot of credit here. There was every reason to think that, you know, the Hurricanes were going to win this game by, you know, three or two goals. And, you know, now the Jets are are feeling good about themselves again, going into Buffalo. And now all the pressure is off of them. If they lose this game in regulation, then they go into Buffalo tomorrow. Now they they want to avoid a three-game losing streak, right, Dave? So, yes, intestinal fortitude is a good word or good words that Drew used to describe this performance. Well, and you beat a good team. You know, I mean, we talk about it, right, Ezzy? The Jets were 7 of 8, then 7 of 9 after that loss in Dallas. Now you're 8 of your last 10 are wins. So the swoon that we saw last year is not happening. This team, again, sometimes without the not the best five on five effort sometimes it's special teams sometimes it's goaltending but this was an important win and again you don't gloss over the fact that they were down three nothing but you do highlight the fact that this team again they could have like you said tried to salvage something in buffalo but instead now they've split the road trip and they've got a good chance to come away with you know if they can win win tomorrow four of the six points that were available so uh, you you like to see that that shifley did what he needed to do. I mean, we talked we talked about it with Rachel Dory today, talking about the need for a stud and for someone who's going to be able to be a game changer. Yeah. That's what Mark Shifley had to do, and that's what he did. That he certainly was. Let's get into the nitty gritty of it as you are watching the Illegal Curve post game show. Over 450 of you joining us live. If you haven't already done so, be sure to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel because we're going to do this again tomorrow night after the Jets and the Sabres. And if you missed this morning's Illegal Curve hockey show, which just ended a little over three hours ago, be sure to head back after the post game show and catch that. So the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, what I'm saying is it's a destination for you and be sure to smash that like button let's get into the betway game recap on this saturday afternoon the betway game recap Big thanks to our friends at Betway for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show. For If you're looking for a safe and uh, place to place a wager and a place that is going to give you fair odds and all the betting options that you're looking for, we recommend heading on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly there you go we got that comment up from a canes fan great comment wtf just happened mortensen i uh, hope you're joining us not sure you're joining us from raleigh or where you're a canes fan Is it vigo but uh yeah or maybe chris mortensen the uh nfl insider whoever it is welcome to the illegal curve post game show this is a safe space for everybody we treat all fans nicely and friendly and politely here on this program raleigh by the way a great city i've been there a number of times uh laura did grad school in the humble brag i know i've been uh, laura went to grad school in raleigh so i'm familiar with it i've been there before no and mortensen you've got a great team there the hurricanes look do you want to play the Hurricanes in the first round if you're the Rangers or if you're the Bruins? I don't think no. so. So, I mean, like the, I guess, no, yeah, the Rangers uh, would play them, wouldn't play them. They're in the Pacific. Or no, Carolina's in the Metro, aren't they? Pacific. Metro? First of all, the Pacific is, is on the West Coast. So I think Sorry, you need to Atlantic, go look at a map. Atlantic. No, Carolina's in the Metro. Carolina's in the Metro. Yes, yeah, you are so right they could about play that. the Rangers in the first round. 
They could, based on the standings. But we don't need to worry about that. Let's get into the game recap. No goals in the first period. But as Dave mentioned, uh, Carolina early in control of the game. They jumped out to a commanding lead in shots and had, you know, again, this is a Carolina Hurricanes team. Reminder is high volume in terms of their shots. Not necessarily high scoring chances, but they like to shoot and they like to shoot from everywhere and then, you know, let the cookie crumble as it may. So Carolina out to an early, I think it was, was it six, nothing lead in shots on goal? Eight, nothing is what Dave's indicating to me there. So, and then the jets sort of found their legs and I thought they picked up their play uh, in the latter half of this, of that first period, they had some opportunities uh, penalties galore with three penalties in that first period, Neil, Neil Pionk uh, getting called for a phantom roughing penalty that didn't make any sense at all to me. Uh, then Nate Schmidt getting called for a phantom tripping penalty when he didn't actually. The Schmidt touch. one was worse. I mean, you could yeah. see on the replay there was Schmidt. There, there was no Doesn't trip touch there. Him. Doesn't touch him. Bad call. It was a bad call. It was just a missed call by uh, by the official in that instance. And the Jets also had a power play opportunity uh, with Jordan Martinuk in the box for tripping. And Carolina's penalty kill, you know, was going to be something I talk about in in more detail when it was a three nothing game and the Jets weren't able to get anything going on special teams. I love that aggressive penalty kill employed by Carolina. I think it's just so much. It, it makes your opponent have to react so quickly and, and have to be so sharp. They don't have an opportunity. They don't have a pause to be to fumble with the puck or anything because the Hurricanes are right on you to take advantage of any mistakes. So that's really what uh, you know jumped out at me about that first period uh, is that you know the Jets started slow, then they got better, and the and the Hurricanes uh, penalty kill as they certainly uh, were, were impactful early in the game. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it. The refs were calling everything in mm-hmm. the first couple periods or the first, you know, two and a half periods. They put the whistles away in the latter half of the third period when the game was tied, as you would expect. Right. But, uh, you know, a chance that stands out to me, Hellebuck made a good save. Uh, Seth Jarvis set up uh, Michael Bunting, former Leaf, and Hellebuck made a good save. The d- high danger chances, uh, there weren't that many no, one, at, one, at I, even I, strength. I, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, the, the penalty kill came through for the Jets and we've talked about that guys yeah. like the five on five play has dipped over the last three or four weeks the last 10 to 15 games but certainly the penalty kill um, you know they allowed the one goal but it, I mean the the penalty kill that stood out to me getting ahead of myself here when Nemesnikov took that uh, penalty it was a hook I believe in the third period right that was the big kill for me for the Jets but obviously yeah early and on it was in this still game, a tied game at that point in time. exactly so that one was uh, your quote-unquote TSN turning point even right. though we're no longer on TSN radio. But yeah, the first period was fairly even. I mean, you, I, I would give a little bit of an edge to the Hurricanes, but overall, considering no Velarde, no Dylan, and Perfetti out of the lineup and a couple new guys in the lineup, I thought the Jets were okay in the first period. It was kind of a low event, ho-hum first. I agreed wholeheartedly with that. It was a sort of low event. That's a good way of going about it, Dave. I mean, I thought the Jets were pretty decent for the first 30 minutes of the game. Uh, you know, even in early into the second period where the, the you know, the penalties continued. Uh, Brady Shea takes a slashing penalty at the 7-11 mark. And then, you know, the uh, another game where I thought the first goal was going to be key. And then the, the Hurricanes do get that first goal, Dave. Uh, Martin Neckash, his 19th of the year, assist to Nosen and Chatfield, that coming at the 10-12 mark of 
of the uh, of the second period just after the Brady Shea penalty expires. Uh, it's a two on one. The Jets get caught in a, in a bad line change, and the camera work wasn't great on this one either. As you sort of <laughs> missed the goal as they were focused on a bit of a scrum, I think involving a Dylan Demello uh, that was going that was behind the play. Uh, but the Hurricanes get the goal, Dave, to get the one, early one nothing lead or the 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 not early but the one nothing lead halfway through the game. Drew, I was going to say, I, I don't know which goal you're referencing because I wasn't able to watch it because I was busy watching a battle at the blue line with Dylan Mello right. and, of course, didn't see it. Not a great line change. So it's the second game in a row now. The Jets get burned by a line change. They, uh, I think it was uh, Mason Appleton was coming off. And, uh, you know, it's just it's an unfortunate situation because, you know, this is you're right. I thought the first goal would have uh, a significant impact on the game, especially because you just mentioned all the guys who were missing. Right. Brendan Dillon out because he's not feeling well. So you got Logan Stanley coming back in. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with Velarde and Perfetti. So, uh, you know, after an even first, you thought, okay, well, how are the Jets going to react? And, and again, this was not a great line change. And you can't really blame Connor Hellebuck on this because it's just a it's a great shot and he's got to defend against the two-on-one. So, um, unfortunately for Winnipeg, it was, it didn't, you know, again, like it's a little bit emblematic of what they've been doing, which is a little bit of that loose play five-on-five. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'd been, I'd been lauding Dylan Sandberg because I thought he'd been, you know, excellent, especially on the PK there in that first period. And then again, on the, on the, um, in the second, but you know, I mean, it's really, it's, it's a tough play. He goes for the drop. And again, like I said, it ends up in the back of the net, but ultimately I, you like the way they played. It's just a mistake and it ends up in the back of the net. Yeah. After 40 minutes of the game and we'll get to the other goals. I mean, Dylan Sandberg led all jets and shots on goal with four, which is not something you typically see, but he certainly was active even in the offensive zone. He was jumping up and had a couple of different, uh, I don't know if you would describe them as scoring chances, but he had a couple of aggressive rushes, uh, you know, that at least, you know, reminds people that he could be a bit, a, 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 a bit of an offensive threat or more of an offensive threat than he necessarily uh, gets credit for or, or is thought of one, nothing at this point in time the hurricanes make it two nothing as he uh, at the 1554 mark so five minutes and 42 seconds later uh to uh toivo teravinen sorry i stumbled on my words there uh 19th of the year this was of course finish day and uh, uh hockey day in finland so they would like this goal uh teravinen from aho and svechnikov and that's the hurricanes top line and it's certainly a dangerous and skilled top line it makes it two nothing at this point in time uh with uh just about four minutes to go in the second period as yeah, and we have to mention, you know, Ehlers obviously misses right. the net and it comes around, but Ehlers hits the, I believe it was post, post or crossbar, right? Inches so, away from it being tied. Yeah, exactly. And that's like you said, Drew. I mean, the first, uh, you know, 25, 30 minutes were pretty good for the Jets, but this is obviously when the tide turned, so to speak, and, and mm -hmm. the Hurricanes had all of the momentum. Um, and obviously, I mean, you mentioned Sebastian Ajo is, I mean, he just beats Sean Monaghan here. This is Ajo beating Monaghan cleanly and making a nice pass. Uh, over was it Natchez or is it Svechnikov that no, it was uh Teravinen that got Teravinen. the second goal right yeah. so I mean to me that's just a one-on-one -on -one. Aho beats Monaghan right and you know it's it's again you know the Jets have a bit of a, a collapse defensively um but again you know that results from Ehlers missing the net badly and the Hurricanes having a two-on-one right Dave so another odd man rush but again you got to credit Aho. he's a very elusive player and he just out muscles Monaghan who gets it to Teravinen for the goal here 
Yeah, and you don't you don't necessarily expect that to happen very often. Sean Monahan usually a very adept, defensively adept player, but this was just a skill play. You know, so credit to the Hurricanes for executing on this one uh, to give them the two nothing lead uh, at this point. And, and you know, you're late in the second period, and the Jets have been scuffling. I would say at this point, even though they come so close to tying it, if it wasn't for uh, you know Ehlers hitting the post there, it would have been a tie game if that shot is a you know an inch or two lower. Uh, and then it gets from bad to worse for the Winnipeg Jets. And you're like, oh gosh, at this point, three, nothing. Uh, it's on the power play. Aho again, assist to Svechnikov and Michael Bunting. It's a beautiful pass. This is a, just a, such a fantastic play by Svechnikov to feather the pass through, I believe, Neil Pionk's skates. No chance for uh, Connor Hellebuck on this goal at all. And Aho makes no mistake. And it's three, nothing. There's, you know, 48 seconds to go in the third period. Carolina is out to a commanding lead. And, you know, the question is, I, I mean, the question to me wasn't, are the Jets going to come back in the third period? The question was more along the lines, Dave, of how are the Jets going to maybe respond a bit in that third period? Uh, and we know how they responded. But first, your thoughts on this goal that made it 3 nothing for Carolina. Dave's, yeah, at, the, Dave's downtown at the Moose game. I was going to say, maybe provide us with voice. an update of the Moose start. I was game going to. Well, right now, it's one all in the game. They're out shooting them 13-5 on the power play. Brad Lambert hit the outside of the post, and it looked like they caught, they scored, but uh, no no bell went off, so it still remains one all. But uh, Also, an update from the Manitoba Briar. I'm going to steal this from Drew. Team Manitoba C, Team Manitoba D tied up at 3 all. Yeah, but others. do you know what C or D stand for there, uh, curling expert? Uh, I don't know. A, a letter? Reed well, team Carruthers, team? Reed Carruthers, Reed Carruthers, and Matt Dunstone. The, the, wow. there are multiple Dunstone teams. Is. Yeah. Okay. Nope. <laughs> Don't leave, leave the curling to me, my friend. That's a goal. All right, Kyle Capo Bianco. Here's a live update from Manitoba Blues. Hey, I'm stealing Daniel Fink's thunder. He's like. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We should just bring Daniel's feet in right now. But uh, Kyle Capobianco wires at home on the power play. See, I'm better at – I don't really do play-by-play. I do color, guys, as you know. And so it's 2-1 for the Manitoba Moose. crowd's getting excited. Folks are getting excited. But this is a Jets show, yeah. a Moose show. So I'll stick to the Jets analysis. And, and look, you know, on this play, Drew, that you're talking about, first of all, you're, you're, it's funny how it was Hockey Day in Finland and everybody was excited for that. And Sebastian Ajo gets that third goal. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Because just before this, seconds before this, Kyle, uh, Connor Hellebuck had been a little bit turned around. So there was a very good chance that they could have just put it into the empty net because he didn't know where the puck was. But right. they couldn't get, I think it was Seth Jarvis, couldn't get the puck in front. So it goes to the, it goes to the blue line and then they eventually turn it around and they, uh, and they, and they get that goal to make it three nothing. And you're right at that point, then you're thinking, are they going to try and just do something to build up? Because you're expecting Carolina to shut this down. You're not expecting anything to really come of this at this point. But, of course, we know that we know that's not the case. But ultimately, you like the fact. I don't like the way Neil Pionk played it because he, you know, he allows that shot to go right through him, and it's a great pass. I mean, Sveshnikov to Aho is just Ezzy, That was magic watching that goal. But uh, look, at, at the end of the day, you want Pionk to either take intercept it or take the man. But to be caught in caught, caught in no man land and and allow that one to get scored is an ideal. Yeah, so there you're at three nothing for Carolina after 40 minutes, and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, 
look like they're down. Maybe they're not out, but they're definitely down after 40 minutes. But the epic comeback begins early in that third period as it needed to as it needed to occur uh you know minute 36 you want to see the jets you know you want to see this response and it's connor and it's ehlers and shifley are together to start this this what a pass here by ehlers this this is just elite i don't know like that's there's the only way i can describe it guys is this pass from ehlers i realize it's you know, a little bit of a, a far shot. You could say Kachetkov should have maybe had this, even mm-hmm. though we know Connor's a sniper. To me, Ehlers just puts this right in Connor's wheelhouse. Just a fantastic pass. Yeah, it's a great pass by Ehlers, and it's a great response by the Winnipeg Jets. Kyle Connor, his 25th of the year, sort of a quiet 25 goal scorer at this point in time, a little bit given all the time he's missing and everything else. Uh, but, you know, he's clearly going to still get uh, upwards of 30, maybe 35 over the, the remainder of the regular season. Uh, Connor, his 25th assist from Ehlers and Josh Morrissey. You're going to hear the name Morrissey a lot going forward in this third period recap. It's not a great goal. I think you want uh, Chetkov to make this save, but it's yep. a nice play by Ehlers to put Connor in a good shooting position. He's not, you know, between the dots or anything. He's higher than that. He's towards the top of the circles, but he, you know, wires it and he fires it past Kachetkov and the Jets are have a sniff of life at this point in time, down 3-1 early in that uh, early in that third period, Ezzy. We mentioned Seth Jarvis from Winnipeg earlier, product of the Rink Hockey Academy, but this is not uh, a great effort by by Seth Jarvis. He's just not, I mean, he he's kind of turned around. He's looking the wrong way. Ehlers just puts the puck, like, basically, you know, r- through his skates to, to Kyle Connor. So, I mean, it wasn't a very good, uh, you know, effort by Jarvis there. But, yeah, I think Kochekov, you know, that shot's from, what, 40 feet? 50 feet away yeah um but you know look it was a quick one-timer and you know Ehlers again he he put that like you always want to in a situation like that you want to put that puck in a position where the the player can step into it right and that's exactly what he does here so you know good on Connor for uh, realizing Kachetkov maybe wasn't set like he would like to be but you're absolutely right Drew you want to score in the first couple minutes that's exactly what you want to do to give yourself uh, a chance to tie it up and not only did the Jets do it they scored four more goals <laughs> yeah not only did they do it they did exactly right they scored four more goals and the next goal uh comes a minute and 26 seconds later and you're like okay game on now in Raleigh North Carolina Nino Niederreiter getting his 15th of the year assist to Nate Schmidt and Adam Lowry and this is just a great play by Nate Schmidt I mean you, you know a guy who has certainly had his ups and downs uh, this season, I, I, I think it's safe to say. He, he just makes a very nice pass over to Nino Niederreiter here. He starts to play, uh, you know, chipping and chasing and everything else that you want to see him do, and it makes it uh, 3-2 at this point in time. Uh, just a feathery backhand play, but loose defensive coverage at the same time by the Hurricanes to allow Niederreiter to sort of walk in unmolested at all uh, to put himself in the position to get that goal to make it three two yeah but you know the the most important thing is that you see Nate Schmidt activate and you know that the Jets are down three one and as he's right I mean if if you don't get that early goal then it's it's going to be a hard game to come back in again not impossible but apparently three the three nothing lead in this series between these two teams is the hardest lead to protect as Drew illustrated previously but look at the end of the day this is a uh it's an it's an important play from from the Jets, but you like to see that Schmidt activated because Rick Bonus talks about the need for the defense to really be a big part of this win, for, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, of this team story and and producing for this team. 
And Schmidt recognizes there's an opportunity. So you can say it's weak defense, but it's also good activation, I think, by Schmidt, who gets up there in the play, makes a beautiful pass, sees yep. Nino coming in, and then Nino Niederreiter gets Kachetkov going the other way and puts it into the back of the net. And you know, obviously, yep. as a former Carolina Hurricane, not you or Ezzy, of course, yeah. but you know, as Nino Niederreiter, a former Carolina Hurricane, uh, he was excited to get on the board and again early, right? Two goals in three minutes and two seconds. So mm-hmm. now it's a 3 2 game, and the Jets are building momentum. And I want to say one thing here. Sorry, Drew. Yeah. Uh, Nate Schmidt was recently a healthy scratch, right, for mm-hmm. Logan Stanley. So I agree 100% here with Dave. Like, the whole point is you identify when the good part of the, the game is and if there's enough open ice to make this play. And if I'm not mistaken, it was Stefan Nosen, uh, because that's the uh, Hurricanes' fourth line, Kotkaniemi, Nosen, and Jesper Faust, which, again, it's a pretty good fourth line. Yeah. That's why her, the Hurricanes are a top-five team in the East, right? Um, but Nate Schmidt, I think, does a great job there, Dave, of drawing Nosen to him, slowing it down, then identifying, I think it was Kotkaniemi who was out there because it was the fourth line, as I just mentioned, and Nino Niederreiter just beats Kotkaniemi to the middle of the ice. So Schmidt draws mm-hmm. Nosen, everybody's... the plays kind of slowing down and then big Nino Niederreiter comes down the middle and makes a nice move on Kuchekov. So again, just great uh, vision and just a great decision by Schmidt um, there and just great, you know, Nino Niederreiter going right up the middle like he always does. And then now all of a sudden the Hurricanes are really on their heels because it's a one goal game and there's lots of time left in the third period. There's 17 minutes to go in the game. I mean, that's how quick, that's what you got to get. You got to strike quick, uh, you know, with that first one. And then, you know, then the doubt seeps in. You're playing with house money once you get that early goal from the Jets. It's like you in Vegas, Drew, when you're at the win. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. No, that that's playing with no money is is what that is. That's playing with money that I shouldn't be gambling with. Uh, but that's a the golden issue. nugget. That's more your style. Entirely, that's right. I need to be on Fremont where the tables are are usually a little less expensive. Uh, Jets tie it up. I mean, you know, again, two minutes and thirty eight seconds later, talk about a flurry, a third period flurry. Uh, you know, for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, and what can you say about Mark Shifley on this play? You know, he just wins the battle. Video he, game mode there. Well, you know what? Right. Almost glitch mode where the Hurricanes just weren't able to uh, man up enough against him. He wouldn't be denied. And, you know, Mark Shifley has been a different player this year than in previous years. And he's been more, you know, uh, forceful out there. But boy, is this going to go on the highlight reel at the end of his, uh, at the end of this season for the Winnipeg Jets. Shifley, his 18th of the year, assist to Josh Morrissey. It comes on the power play. The Jets just won puck battles on this one. It's a power play uh, goal, which is important to note because the power play had been struggling in today's game up to this point, but the Jets just won puck battle after puck battle because the Hurricanes had opportunities where you thought they were going to relieve the pressure, but they couldn't, and then Shifley gets in all alone and of course Shifley with those beautiful soft hands that we've seen for so many years now tucks it behind Kachetkov and all of a sudden it's a three all game Dave Manukin what is going on this has escalated quickly that's a good point Drew and and you've got to credit Josh Morrissey because he's the one who really created that opportunity for Mark Shifley you you give Mark Shifley a lot of credit for what he was able to do and and get Kachetkov going the other way and then putting it behind him scoring I think his 19th goal of the season but Josh Morrissey is all will. And I don't know how many folks caught it, but it looked like when 44 was coming off the ice in the second period, there was a little bit of a grimacing from him. Like he looked like he was in a bit of pain. I don't know if there was a limp. So, because you know, the teams are keying in on Josh Morrissey and trying to impose a lot of, you know, physicality on the best Jets defensive defender. 
So uh, I don't know if that was something that was, you know, maybe you just walking funny, but whatever it was, you were wondering how's he going to react in, in the final frame. Well, he was fantastic. And, and that's Will, because it looked like it was going to be another stagnant power play for Winnipeg and, and, and Lott. And you got to give Nikolai Elish credit because when he was on the power play, as he, every single time, like Kyle Connor, I thought he struggled on the power play. And every time he tried to get in an entry, he just kept getting stymied. Mm-hmm. Nikolai Ehlers, no such hindrance. He was, every time he had the puck, he gained the zone. But again, let's get back to this goal. And I, yeah, again, like I said, I give Mark Shafley a lot of credit for, for being in the right place. But Josh Morrissey set that up with his effort. I'm with well. you there, Dave. All, all Morrissey because there's a board battle. Morrissey yeah. gets in there, stick checks, comes comes out, pokes the puck ahead, and then he ends up. It's a one-handed poke uh, to Shifley. That that's what stood out to me, right? Like mm-hmm. he was determined. He saw Shifley, like you said, he was in front of Kochetkov, perfect positioning, but he makes sure like Morrissey was not going to be denied there. So again, you know, Shifley, Connor, Morrissey, Niederreiter, like the veterans of this team yeah. stepped up big time. Ehlers, I want to give Ehlers a lot of credit here because he was obviously up there with Shifley and Connor on that top line. Ehlers was really good. Uh, we mentioned, you know, Lowry Appleton, I thought, for a guy who's been criticized a lot, a lot of Jets fans, you know, think Appleton should either be the four, on the fourth line or the 13th forward. I thought Appleton was really good, right? Who was out there killing penalties in the third period? Appleton and Lowry. Who was out there late when the Jets were protecting a 4-3 lead? Appleton was out there. So I'm not saying Mason Appleton is uh, Yuri Lettinen or Guy Carboneau. He's not the best <laughs> defensive forward of all time. But I thought he was really solid tonight for the Jets. And, and the Jets needed that in the third period because you know we talked about it the Jets right now control their own destiny they've got games in hand I think they have three now on Dallas Colorado guys plays Nashville so you know the Jets lose this in regulation Colorado can leapfrog the Jets so the Jets are in a a dogfight for first in the central and a game like this is going to go a long way because we expect you know this to go right down to you know game 82 I don't think anybody's expecting you know either Dallas the Jets or Colorado to to pull away here in early March. I mean, this is right. going to go right down to the wire for first in the central. You know, you're exactly right. I mean, I think that's a very good point because the, the score sheet, I mean, you can see the guys on the score sheet, but to stage this kind of comeback, it takes everybody on the roster and they're all doing it shift after shift after shift. So it's not just, you know, isolate one isolated shift and then another isolated shift. It took all you sort of the constant flow from all 12 forwards and all six defensemen to lead the Winnipeg Jets back into this game. I mean, that is, I really can't state it enough how impressive of a comeback this is for the Winnipeg Jets, given the adversity, given the guys out of the lineup, given, you know, everything about it. They could have very easily. I don't think anybody would have been very surprised if this was a similar four-one defeat to what the, you know you saw Thursday night against Dallas. But the Jets managed to just you know they they refused to give up on it, which was to me so impressive for a team that a year ago at this time in Carolina had such a listless effort. Twelve months later, it's almost like a completely different you know room, completely different roster, completely different franchise uh, mentality, certainly tonight. Uh, and then the comeback is complete at the 1647 mark of the third period. And the Jets were very good in this third period, but you also got to be a little bit lucky to be good. And Kachetkov, who was not good in this third period, makes just an inexplicable decision here to race out to play the puck totally not a decision that he needed to make. I didn't think that this was really a dangerous necessarily situation. I thought that the uh, Hurricanes were in 
no, there was back pressure coming, but I didn't think that there was such back pressure coming that uh, Kachetkov had to come out and, and play the puck or do anything like that. I believe Jordan Martinuk was being pressured uh, by Monaghan on this play, and then Kachetkov comes out, and then it's a bit of a keystone cops, and the puck ends up on Monaghan's stick, and he gets his 20th of the year. I believe this is his eighth goal now as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, all of those coming in the last, really, less than two weeks because he had the hat-trick against the Calgary Flames on the holiday Monday, yep. uh, which would have been 12 days ago. So I think that's uh, eight goals in the last 12 days for uh, Sean Monaghan. And the Jets have a 4-3 lead as a result of his play and Kachetkov uh, with a bit of a boneheaded play as well. Yeah, well, we gave you know Morrissey his props, Dave, on on the uh, the Shifley goal. Yeah, uh, but we have to give you know Vladimestikov some props here on him getting the puck. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure why he doesn't get an assist here. I, I think I understand why, but he deserved an assist on this goal. But certainly his his pressure, you know, was well noted. Well, and and you mentioned it, Drew. Just over three minutes left, and Chatfield goes to make the play on on Monahan. And you know, look, I mean, clearly Kachekov, you know, it was. It, it wasn't executed like you see what he's doing because he can see that Monaghan chips the puck ahead and he has to contend with Nemesnikov. Um, but, you know, that to me, that's what causes it. Nemesnikov going hard uh, forces Kachetkov essentially to get out of the net. And, you know, Chatfield just he's not in a position to to make a stop on on Niederreiter. But, you know, just absolutely love you know, the pursuit of the puck by Nemestikov, which forces Kachetkov to come out of the lineup, Dave. But yeah, I mean, that's not a goal that, you know, you're going to like as the game winner if you're the Hurricanes, but you're also not going to like the entire third period mm -hmm. because that was the fourth goal that you allowed in a row, right? So um, I think that the Jets deserve a lot of credit for how aggressive they were in the third period. I just was going to add, Azzy, that Kachetkov, the, the knock on him is that he's very aggressive. And so I wasn't. He can play the puck, though, Dave. I like it. Like he's one of the better puck handling goalies in the league. He scored a goal in this building, so that's right. uh, that's, that's worth remembering when uh, he was playing. I believe. And it was Chicago. a shot. It wasn't like it. It went off of no. a, a defenseman no. back into no. an empty net. He actually it shot was, it into the net. That's right. It was. Oh, there's Richard Lapp, the hockey maven. Yes, we can Hi, see Richard Lapp, the, the hockey background. maven. Nobody knows more about junior hockey than Richard Lapp, the hockey maven. True. But, he's uh, written books. He's written one. I think he's written about ten books. Uh, but anyways, if you want to know about junior hockey? Drew's only written uh, Harlequin romance novels <laughs> under a pen name. Yes, under yeah. a pseudonym. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, that's the one thing you can take advantage of with with a, an aggressive goaltender. And I agree with you. Like I didn't think it necessitated him coming out, but I'm not surprised because that's within his style of play. Yeah, but you know, we will also give that goal because all of a sudden the Jets have come back from three nothing down to four three. That'll be our Seagram shot of the game. The Seagram shot of the game. Big thanks to our friends at Seagrams for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show. A comeback victory like that perhaps deserves a little bit of a fireball shot. And, well, why not? We've done almost five hours of, uh, of broadcasting already today. And it's, uh, I guess, maybe I'm a little off on that. Where's your almost little ball? Three hours of broadcasting in the last few hours. So, here. Kudos to the Winnipeg Jets Drew's for that been comeback. Drew's drinking out of that little bottle for the last five months. Like, I'm starting to think he just I has have multiple little there. bottles. It's not okay. just the same one. I got multiple little bottles. 
Drew, don't do we worry. have to talk about your drinking problem? <laughs> no, we, we don't. That I only drink uh, only when the Jets stage a three goal comeback. That's it. Other than that, I'm I'm perfect. A lot of little mini bottles there. There's like four or five little mini bottles there, Drew. Well, you know, I, I've been able to get my hands on some mini bottles of uh, Fireball, so uh, I'll be, I'll keep that keep uh, I'll keep that uh, well in check. Don't worry. I'll keep it on. Uh, four three for the Jets at this point. So you're now into the last three minutes of the game, and the Carolina Hurricanes pull the goalie, and they're just shell shocked at this point in time. Uh, having given up the four straight goals and the Jets, you know, look, Connor Hellebuck makes a couple of saves and the Hurricanes have a little bit of pressure as you would expect with a six on five advantage, but the Jets do a very good job at keeping everything to the outside and getting into shot lanes to prevent the Hurricanes from really getting anything that I would describe as a golden opportunity. Kyle Connor almost put it into an empty net early after they pulled the goalie, but that was made the the defender for the Hurricanes made a nice block. Uh, but other than that, the Jets did a very good job keeping everything to the outside and out of the danger zone until Niederreiter with 11 seconds to go, uh, assist to Ayafalo and Josh Morrissey, his third of the game to wrap up an epic third period for the Winnipeg Jets coming all the way back from three, nothing down to win five, three. Yeah, and Niederreiter and Iafalo did a good job protecting the the 4-3 lead there, and we're not going to break down the empty net goal, but remember there was that one chance. Marty Natchez is always yeah. a player that impresses me. Remember Jack Drury had a chance right in the slot, mm-hmm. and Hellebuck made a save. I forget if it was just, you know, if he made the save, like if it hit him in the middle of the jersey or a pad save. I forget what it was, but it was a, a grade-A chance in the slot for the Hurricanes. And so, you know, good on Hellebuck, right? Like he allows three goals in the first period, and then he shuts the door. And we've seen him do that so many times. Like Hellebuck, uh, you know, everybody knows he's the team MVP, Dave. But this is one of those games where, you know, not a lot of people are going to talk about, um, you know, Hellebuck. Uh, but he made a really good save on Bunting in the first period, made a good save on Drury late in the third period. And, you know, he still had a, a good enough game. He allowed the Jets to come back in this game by shutting the door, um, you know, for the majority. No, the, for all of the third period, right? So, yeah, the, the Jets just, I mean, they elevated their game when they needed to. Like, this can't be overstated how big, of, I mean, look, we're not going to, you know, throw out things like this is a, a season-defining win or anything like that, but no Velarde, no Brendan Dillon, that's a top six forward and a top four defenseman, and you were down 3 nothing after two periods, so you got to, look, we we are hard on the Jets, Drew. When yeah. the Jets beat the, the Hawks and the Coyotes and they needed overtime, we were hard on them, and we said, yeah. you know, they didn't play very well. And yeah. the Jets, I thought, you know, with the exception of, you know, maybe half of a period in the middle frame, the Jets were good today. And especially in the third period, they elevated their game and they got the job done when they had players out of the lineup. Yeah. I, you know what, Dave, and I want to get you in here. Look, the Jets, whether or not they win, you know, this is a championship caliber comeback victory. Not to say that the Jets are going to win the Stanley Cup because who knows how that's going to play out. But it takes a certain, you know, teams have to be wired in a certain way to be championship teams. And you need victories like this to sort of build upon in the course of your season. We mentioned the comeback against the Kings uh, earlier this year, where they came back from a number of goals down and came back and, and, and handily beat the Los Angeles Kings. And that was at a time when the Kings were playing some very good hockey. And then the Jets went on a really good run as a result. Today's game could be a similar catalyst for that. Who's that? Daniel Fink. Daniel Fink. Daniel Fink. Play, play broadcaster, the man Thinker. of the doing a wa- oh. He's doing a walk-on. On, and he just big-timed us, guys. Totally. Well, he, totally he texted, he, time, Dave. He's in the next booth over, so he's, he texted me. He said, I should have I walked in. I said, come on in. No, no problem. You're welcome. There you go. Join us here on the Illegal Curve Post. Come on in. Show. The water's warm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about the booster up 2-1. It's eSports Day. I was going to make a mention, actually, because I think one of you guys said it was like a video game. I said, well, actually, it's eSports Day here at uh, Canada Life. So they're playing video games up on the scoreboard, and uh, lots happening here with the Moose Up 2-1. Well, a tremendous comeback victory for the Winnipeg Jets. They win 5-3 this afternoon in Raleigh, North Carolina. They head to Buffalo. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I, I just wanted to get a point in because I think you were saying it, like, or as said it, you know, you're not going to overstate it. Similar to the four to the four one loss to the to the Texas to the Texas, to the Dallas Stars, yeah. you know, it, it was it was not great. Again, it doesn't define their whole season, and neither will this. But this really does kind of offset what was a really bad start to this road trip with a very impressive comeback, one we weren't expecting, but mm -hmm. we saw. And so again, you like as he said, you're missing some critical pieces, and guys stepped up when they needed to. And like I said, led by 55. As he's right, 33 with 37 was excellent, as was 44. And so uh, it was an impressive effort in totality by this Jets club to pick up a, an, an important win. And I, 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 I illustrated it. Hold on, let me just put it up, pull it up again on my second screen. Just getting to my phone. But that was their 38th win of the season in game 59 yeah. in 22-23 last year. That 38th win came in game 67. So they're well ahead of that pace. And in 17-18, the season we all love to talk about, 38th win came in, game 64. So again, this team is well above the pace. This is a team that's on pace for uh, something we've never seen before here in Winnipeg. There you go. Winnipeg Jets, 5-3 victors out of nowhere. 5-3 victors over the Carolina Hurricanes this afternoon. The Jets next in action tomorrow night in Buffalo. Post-game show tomorrow night right around about 8.45 p.m. Central Time after the Jets and the Sabres. The Jets look to build upon this comeback victory and do it again tomorrow afternoon. When we come back on the Illegal Curve post-game show, we have some comments from Rick Bonus about the decision to healthy scratch Cole Perfetti and some news about Gabe Velarde and his health status. Don't go anywhere. More than 500 of you are joining us. The clock strikes 3 p.m. on this Saturday afternoon. You're watching the Illegal Curve post-game show. BP's new New York Sicilian Square Footers. With a thicker crust than ever before, they're light and airy on the inside and oh so crispy on the outside. You're going to have your work cut out for you. Uh, okay, fine. Try the New York Sicilian Square Footers, only at Boston Pizza. You guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking, where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre-book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free, if you use the code ILLEGALCURVE. Free? What is this, sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking, and to sweeten the deal even more... I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code illegal curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni. Tell me about it. Just download Grid Park, G R Y D Park, and use the code illegal curve, all one word, to park for free. The game can change ah! just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. 
To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. Shortly after 3 o'clock in the afternoon, welcome back to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Jets win 5-3 over the Carolina Hurricanes, staging a five-goal comeback in the third period. Want to remind everybody, Illegal Curve, proud to be media sponsor, a media sponsor of the Rady JCC Sports Dinner coming up May 28th of 2024. One of the best dinners on the calendar, especially if you're a sports fan. Love some memorabilia, great prize. Prizes galore. This one, you're going to hear from Grant Fear, Doug Gilmore, and Wendell Clark. So three legendary hockey players for those of us from the 80s and 90s. Those three gentlemen will be in Winnipeg at the Rady JCC Sports Dinner, May 28th, 2024. And I would suggest do not be surprised if you hear from one, two, or three of those fine gentlemen over the coming weeks here on the Illegal Curve uh, post game show and or the illegal curve hockey show so you can get your tickets for this dinner coming up in may at radyjcc.com of course we're thrilled to be part of that great program yet again jets 5-3 victors over the carolina hurricanes uh rick bonus here's sort of some of the key things that he had to say post game tonight gabe velarde he definitely won't play tomorrow as he has been sent back to winnipeg he's getting further evaluation on the upper body injury yeah, not that has been that. Uh, that he's been dealing with lately so gabe velarde not an option for the winnipeg jets tomorrow night in buffalo as he is back in winnipeg for further evaluation uh certainly not the best news from the jets perspective but i guess better that it happened uh earlier than closer to the playoffs right and i mean i i don't think they're gonna call i mean 
they have Perfetti as the extra forward. So I don't. Yeah, think you're not going to call anybody up for the no. unless unless guys are really banged up or you know guys can't go for tomorrow. Right. But uh, right, no, and gonna... and we know that uh, Mason Appleton and Ehlers were also game time decisions, right? So that's right. the only reason that I, to keep an eye on that. Maybe the Moose also have a game tomorrow. Is it tomorrow afternoon, Dave, or tomorrow night? I know it's tomorrow. They play Texas again, right? So. I don't know, you know, and, and it's unfortunate for Velarde. Hopefully, you know, he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, but but again, that's an opportunity for Rasmus Kupari. It's an opportunity for David Gustafson. I mean, there is always the chance, boys, the Profetti goes back in. But based on the way the Jets played and the comeback in the third period, do you not leave David Gustafson and Rasmus Kupari on that fourth line with with Morgan Barron? And you maybe give uh, Cole, Cole Perfetti another, you know, another game or two off. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's an argument to be made. You don't want Cole Perfetti being in the press box for too long. It's only no, been I, one game, so we'll we'll have to, to wait and monitor that. But, well, um, you know, it's, again, you know, Nemesnikov, I mean, he's a guy that is able to move up. But Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, guys, is what you should expect to be the top line again tomorrow versus Buffalo. Yeah. yeah there's, no, I, there's no need. You There's no reason why you would break that up, Dave. No, I mean, again, it's the what it's those are the horses that you rode it to victory, right, Ezzy? So, why else would you do anything other than continue that? And we've been talking about Nikolai Ehlers' uh, necessity of moving him up. And even though he and Sean Monahan have discovered a little bit of chemistry, and I, I talked about it, and Sean Monahan talked about it about learning to play with a guy like Johnny Goudreau and Nikolai Ehlers reminding him of that. I mean, ultimately, this is you're gonna need you, you we don't know how long Gabriel Velarde is gonna be out, and again, I'm tend to think that because he was on the bench in the third and didn't go to the room, it wasn't maybe necessarily as bad. I didn't even think it was an upper body, to be honest with you, based on the fact that he seemed to be testing his legs, right, Drew, during the commercial timeout in that game against Dallas. But at the end of the day, he goes back to Winnipeg. That's that's tough news for the Jets. But again, they were able to, and it looked like, as he that it was going to be a really tough news for the Jets' power play, right? Because they were looking a little lost. That first unit, at least, was looking a little lost without him going, uh, I believe, 0 for 4 before yeah. they finally got that one, the Mark Shifley goal. But ultimately, uh, again, this is a, a this is what you want. You want look, Buffalo is not a very good team, but you want to be able to continue this good momentum that you built in the third period. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Yeah, agreed wholeheartedly. Here's what Rick Bonus had to say about the decision uh, to uh, to healthy scratch Cole Perfetti. I put the quote up on the screen. Uh, that's a tough call, but we know it's been a struggle for him lately, him being Perfetti. Sometimes you just have to reset. You just go back and take a look at things from a different perspective. We're going to get him back in there, but it's been a struggle for him, and we're going to keep encouraging him and keep pushing him. He's a good kid with a great future. Listen, he's not the first young player that sat out a game for sure. Not in this league. This is a tough league, and it's a tough part of the season. So it's all part of the learning process. That's Jets head coach Rick Bonus talking about Cole Perfetti and the decision to help scratch him. And I think, look, Bonus is right. Perfetti, if you're struggling and you're, you know, you can get there's something that can be beneficial from taking a step back and maybe observing for a game. Now I wouldn't, to Ezzy's point, I wouldn't expect him to be out of the lineup for weeks on end. I would expect that they're going to use this weekend. They're going to use today and they're going to use tomorrow unless injuries force them to play him tomorrow to just let him sort of breathe a little bit, remove the pressure. And, but it would not surprise me at all if he's back in the lineup on Tuesday in Seattle or, or Friday in Seattle as well, Ezzy. 
Yeah, and those are two critical games against a Kraken team that's that's still in the playoff race, but I believe yeah. they're not in. They're five points back, right, Drew? Yeah, they're no, they're. I mean, they're seven points back now, so they would be at the absolute fringe of of the playoff. No race, games in hand. Suggest. I mean, they have you know a couple games in hand on Nashville. They don't have any games in hand in Los okay. Angeles, but well, they're still going to be an it. uphill I mean, climb not... for them, regardless. Yeah, it's an up uphill climb, but they're still in it, right? So those are those. You're going to be facing a desperate, desperate Kraken team. The Jets can beat the Kraken. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that those are going to be interesting games because of where the Kraken are in the the playoff race, right? Um, right. But getting back to what you said about Cole Perfetti, um, you know, most likely he's not in the lineup tomorrow. But again. You know, Gustafson, he's missed a lot of hockey. Rasmus yeah. Kapari, he was injured earlier this year, and, and they were good on the fourth line. And then it becomes a question of, you know, what is Perfetti's role on this team, especially if the Jets acquire a winger like we expect them to prior to the trade deadline, right? Like, does he become your 13th forward? I have no idea. Um, but it, it certainly looks like, you know, he could be a guy that's squeezed out if the Jets bring in some reinforcements in the top six, right? So, look, it was, it was looking like it wasn't a... The only issue that I have with it is that Gabe Velarde, you knew he wasn't going to be playing today, Dave. So you're deciding to healthy scratch him in a game in which you already have an injury on your top line, right? That's and and you know, until the Jets flip-flopped Ehlers with Nemestikov on that top line, the first line was not exactly lighting it up in the first two periods, right? So that's the only thing that I, an issue that I had. I mean, but then you could easily make the argument, well, look what the Jets did in the third period. They stormed back for five goals. Uh, so bonus is a genius, right? But look, Perfetti has not played very well. So none of us are surprised that he was a healthy scratch. All I'm saying is that I was a little bit surprised in a game in which Velarde was injured and out of the lineup. I don't. I thought maybe Bones would keep Perfetti in this game and you know decide to use the healthy scratch. But a lot of people thought this was overdue and Bones could have healthy scratched Perfetti a couple of weeks ago, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think what it comes down to is like, has he played fine? Yeah, but he's not producing. Right. And and that's ultimately when you're in the top six, you have to produce. You can't be in the top six and not doing anything. Again, I, I would say he was still a positive force, but ultimately, like he had what one assist in his last 14 games, and he's not the only one who's guilty of of not performing. Uh, there there were a number of guys who have been, you know, again, like we talk about that five on five, who have uh, have not been up to snuff. But ultimately, like even when Cal Connor is not having great games, you're still getting production from him, and so. You know, that's, I think, what they want to do by giving a, him a reset. And, look, let's be realistic, guys. You know, Cole Perfetti's still producing. He's still a good young hockey player. We talked about this today. Like, you're not dumping Cole Perfetti, no. and he's not incapable of playing. I mean, this is a guy who's very talented. He's a very cerebral player. Uh, and, and look, if, if he has to sit up there and, and watch for a stretch, then that's what's going to happen. If the Jets get better without having him in the lineup, then, you know what, he'll be – Potentially an added because is he going to bring? Does he bring what Rasmus Kupari and David Gustafson bring to a fourth line? No, he doesn't. You really need him on that fourth line. No, you don't. Now, again, like I said, Nemestikov also brings a lot to that when you had them there. But ultimately, if again, the Jets don't have, I, I know we talk about this, but the Jets really still don't have that three lines of scoring and one line of hard checking. Right. They don't. They have the top six. We still talk about it all the time. They have the top six. You have the Lowry line, and then they have a fourth line. So unless you're going to change your mentality as a coach and 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 have a three lines that are scoring, and of which Perfetti would be one, right now it, it makes more sense to have that Gustafson line composed the way they have it. But again, like I said, like obviously we've said that before. It should really be a top nine that you're looking at, not a top six. But 
That's just not the way the coach uses his, his lineup. Well, we'll find out if that changes, of course, as the trade deadline approaches coming this coming Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock Central Time. The NHL trade deadline, a lot of smoke around the Winnipeg Jets like there is on around a lot of the contending teams as to what they're going to do ahead of the deadline. What we're going to do ahead of the end of this program is what we do on each and every edition of the Illegal Curve postgame show. It's the Tough Duck Hardest Hitting Comment. The Tough Duck Hardison Comment. Lots of good this afternoon. By the way, shout out to everybody who watched the, the morning show, the 9 o'clock in the morning show, and then stuck with us. <laughs> uh, we've got over 480 watching now. We had over 530 watching earlier. So awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us. This has been a very busy Saturday morning slash afternoon, especially for Dave M, who's doing double duty watching the Moose. So make sure you follow IC Dave uh, for continued updates from the Moose game. They've got two games this afternoon. Look at that. Where else do you get that? <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to get a cease and desist from True North Sports and Entertainment for doing that, Dave. But I think, uh, you know, we know a few people uh, in the legal community. So I think they'll uh, get us out of that one if True North doesn't like that. Obviously, I'm joking. Dave M, people don't don't know this, but Dave is on a first name basis with with Zinger and, and Mark Chipman. They all know Dave. And they know the great job that he does for us. We're going to give it to Elias McCracken. Uh, I'm not sure if he's won yet this year or if it is a, a he or she. But I like this comment. I've been hard on him, but got to say Stanley. Yes, Stanley had a really good shift with four minutes to go. That was important to shut down the Canes in our zone. Position strong, smart plays, get out of zone. He was out there on the penalty kill as well, guys. That's why we know that Logan Stanley earlier in the season was the guy that was going into the lineup over you know a guy like Declan Chisholm. Yeah, uh, you did 308 on the on the short on penalty kill yeah, today. Yeah, three minutes. He played yeah. it. Uh, I think it was 14 minutes and 23 seconds. That's right. Uh, and, and you know he was just solid. So again, he didn't expect to play. We didn't see the Brendan Dillon illness coming. So you know, just good on Logan Stanley. I thought you know he wasn't special or he wasn't flashy out there, but I, right. I thought he was just solid in 14 minutes of work on that third pair. So Elias McCracken, send me an email Ezra at illegalcurve.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter at icsg. And with your mailing info and Tough Duck, we'll ship out a toque to you. I know that Trish Jordan got her toque uh, earlier this week, and a lot of other folks were getting their toques this week. Uh, and we're going to transition to, I believe, trucker hats once the playoffs start. So look out, there you for, go. look out for Tough Duck trucker hats. That's exciting. Everyone's getting toques. We'll give away another toque tomorrow night. The Jets and the Buffalo Sabres postgame 8.45 p.m. Give or take a couple minutes right back here on our YouTube channel as your Saturday filled with illegal curve broadcast continues unabated. At least you get at least now about uh, you know, 17, 18 hours off. You get a bit of a break until we do it all again. Not Dave. Dave M doesn't get the break. The folks watching get a break. You have nowhere else to be. We know what's going on in your schedule and your life, Dave. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It's all these other good folks who are putting everything on the shelf while we're doing the Saturday morning and we're doing the Saturday afternoon and we're keeping everybody informed on the Jets and on the Moose and on everything that's going on with Thomas Millich making big saves. There you go. Thomas Millich making big saves. Dave will have continued coverage of the Moose game. You can check that out on his uh, Twitter feed and then post game on IllegalCurve.com. We want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors. Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Farmery Beer, Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, 
and Betway. These fine businesses help support illegal curve hockey. They support the website. They support the post game show. They support the Saturday show. As Shout out well. to Stacy, who's going to the Jets Sabres game, because as a lot of people who are IC regulars know, Stacy's in Erie, Pennsylvania. So shout out to Stacy. Hold on, I had the comment start here. Uh, hold on, there we go. There you go. They head to Buffalo for the Jets and the uh, the Jets and the Sabers tomorrow night. So Stacy, enjoy that. We expect that you'll be, you know, as you're driving back to Erie after the game, we expect that you're going to be, uh, or wherever you're driving back to, tuning into us in the car for the post game show as well, because you can do that. The beauty of your phones are they work in the car, they work on, uh, you know, in front of a computer, wherever you are, wherever you're tuning in from. Be sure to keep tuning into the Illegal Curve and- YouTube channel. True. Don't forget Rebecca Liebsack, who we featured on from Savannah, Georgia, and her family came to Winnipeg. Yeah, they were in Carolina, as she mentioned in the chat I had with her. So Great. her, she and her family were in Carolina for the game as well. And there was another Jets fan I remember saying that they were going uh, to the the game. So a lot there we saw it on the broadcast. A lot of Jets fans made their way down to uh, to rally a beautiful city, according to Mindell. Raleigh, uh, I believe, Dave, not rally. Well, they were Jets. Sorry, but today it was rally for the Winnipeg Jets as they yes. came back and scored five straight in third. It's like I, Dave. I used to say New Orleans, and then Nolans. Yeah, the people that say Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Exactly. That's how well, you gotta I, say it. It's, hold on. Let me try that. Louisville. Yeah, it's close, close enough. The first, close enough that I'll, I'll I'll let it pass. You know, you know. I, I I'm just waiting for more of your curling analysis. That's what I'm waiting for at this point in time. Brothers is up six three. Oh, there you go. At least you remembered his name this time. What happened? Right end. There's some rocks. Oh, there was just a play that they literally uh, went through, kind of very similar to the the um, uh, Sebastian uh, to Aho goal, but it went through the Texas Stars uh, legs, and he wasn't able to put it past Thomas Millich. So it remains two one. Moose out shooting Texas. 21 to 12 so uh, an important game for manitoba they need this uh two points and oh, 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 oh that was actually as his boy maverick bork and let me tell you the way he's played he has not missed many but that one handcuffed him and he wasn't able to get the puck it went between his legs so it remained two one for can you ask most. maverick bork why he doesn't have an e in his name like why isn't it maverick bork you should ask maverick parents bork. that yeah well, that, maverick's not gonna yeah, ask Ray. himself ask ask Ray his parents Dave. yeah his yeah. dad raymond I- Ray or Phil, whichever one of the Bork, the Borks it is, who knows. That's it, folks. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I uh, hope you have a great one, whatever you're up to. I'm heading to the William Prince concert later on tonight, so if you're going to be in downtown Winnipeg at the concert hall, you can uh, come find me and say hi who, to me. All who is William be... Prince? Sorry, I'm not as hip as you are. You aren't as hip as me, as he? You're not by a long shot. William Prince Drew, by the a... way, is that your second concert this week? It's my second concert in, yeah, in the last three days. I'm, I, Drew. I don't know. I'm running on fumes, my friend. Drew, I don't Dave, know. Drew has babysitting money. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody thanks for joining us hey, enjoy this the Prince illegal curve purple uh, rain have fun show. we'll see you tomorrow night uh thanks for joining us everybody until then we wish you good afternoon and good luck jets win 5-3 over the carolina hurricanes Peace. thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.